it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 453. I'm holding on to season 10. My name is Caleb Hag. <laughs> and I am too. I'm holding on to season 10. That's right. Building the anticipation for 11. That's right. Rob Vanna. These, this one goes it. to 11. That's all I'm going to say. So I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I've, I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were the, today was going to be the the season eleven opener. Nope, we're holding on to season ten for one more show. This is it. Last show was such a good show. We were like, we can't go out on season ten with such a good show. We gotta we gotta lower expectations a bit for season eleven. We got to do one more show. So that's what we're doing. Here we are. Technical difficulties in the beginning. We're already off to a good uh, start of bringing people's expectations down. It's it's working. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like I said, we were going to launch season 11 today. We're in charge though. It's our it's our podcast. It's our show. We're allowed to do whatever we want. And so we decided, no, we're not going to do that. Now, there are reasons that we decided that. First of all, our artwork wasn't done. Second of all, our producer credit wasn't done. Uh, third of all, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still debating. I'm still debating whether or not you guys get to hold over your season 10 music or not. But that's okay. We're going to figure it out one way or the other. Next week, we'll figure it out. Uh, welcome to everyone in the chat room. I want to say hello to you. And it uh, looks like we got some people in there that are not normally in there. And that's always good to see. Always good to see uh, Good to see people who uh, are trying to come around for the first time or you know, don't get, get in it very often. Uh, before we jump into our show, what we're going to do is we're going to tell you how to get a hold of us. And uh, what we'd like you to do is write us an email and or send us a voicemail. Tell us what you want us to talk about in season 11. Hey, you know what? Maybe we're not having a season uh, 11 opener today because you guys just didn't tell me what you want to talk about. So if you want to do that, go ahead. See Hegg at TorahResource.com. C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. You can also Leave us a voicemail. You won't talk to us. You just talk to a answering machine, 253-465-3205. Tell us how much you hate us, love us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever you want. doesn't matter. You can tell us whatever you want. We listen to every single message that comes in. Once again, 253-465-3205. By the way, you can find all past 11 uh, seasons on um, messiahmatters.com. Uh, and uh, things in season 11 are going to change. Uh, right now, there's three different tabs under the show. You have what you have watch, listen, and show notes. That's all going to be combined into one. It'll just be called the show. You go to it, you'll be able to click on each post, and each post will have the show notes in it. It'll have the audio in it, and it will have the video in it. Now, I've been slacking on the show notes for the past couple of uh, the the past couple of uh, weeks, and I apologize for that. Uh, but I'm figuring out some really cool stuff. We 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 got some really cool stuff that's going to just save me a ton of time. By the way. Uh, show notes are and uh, the show being posted and everything, that's not going to come around now until Fridays. So the live show will be on Wednesday. If you miss the live show, you're going to have to wait. You're just going to have to wait two more days until Friday. That's, you know, it's a little benefit for those who catch our show live. Uh, you get you get it two days early. So uh, that's what's going on. Today, we're going to be referencing a couple of uh, articles. You can find those articles on TorahResource.com. Torah Resource is a great resource for anyone who wants to study the Bible. we got all sorts of stuff going on, including uh, classes, which start on uh, January 2nd. So sign up now if you'd like to. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, if, and, and it's still Hanukkah. It is still so Hanukkah. So if you right. haven't done the Hanukkah uh, quiz on the Torah Resource Library, Check it out. That's right. It'll stretch your mind. It'll expand your brain. Yes. And it will. It will just. Uh, it'll it'll know, blow your mind. For for those who don't know what we're talking shake about, shake your head. Rob did a, uh, a micro course. It's a one lecture course, and uh, it's there's a printout you can uh, do a knowledge test. The only caveat to this is that uh, it's free for those who have a library membership. Now I know what you're thinking. That's not free. Okay, fair enough. But it's less than ten dollars a month. Less than ten dollars a month. Granted, you have to pay for a year at a time. We're trying to change that. Hopefully, in the next year or two, uh, you'll be able to pay month to month. But for right now, go buy yourself a membership. It's worth it. I know it sounds weird, but uh, you'll be able to uh, get a whole lot out of that. Especially if you're a podcast listener. Uh, I mean, you can just listen to hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of of uh, audio on biblical topics. Okay, last but definitely not least. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it does help us. If you're already subscribed, go ahead and click the like button. That helps us too. Okay. 
Let's get into it. Let's go. Let's see what we got today. We had some interesting interactions. Now, this one, um, this one, so I've been debating with several people. We put up a, we clipped uh, a uh, short clip from last week's episode. Now, in it, we talked about why the church, what? We talked about why the church uh, doesn't like Torah observance, uh, why they oppose Torah observance. You know, what's the rub there? Why are they so against it? We talked about uh, sacrifices in the millennial kingdom. We talked about all sorts of stuff. And so I clipped a bunch of those. On the one uh, about why the church doesn't like, um, doesn't like, uh, Torah observance, why they're so against Torah observance. We had so many people come and, uh, you know, say, no, 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 the, the law is done away with. So just falling into the, uh, the standard, uh, you know, now I think I pegged one of the, pegged one of them pretty good. Um, I, you know, because he's saying, no, 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 we don't have to do the, the, the law. Don't take yourself back into the law, all these kind of stuff. And I said, okay, well, what about, and I listed a number of laws, that are not found in, in the uh, New Testament. And uh, he just wouldn't answer. You know, is it okay to sleep with your sister? Is it okay to sleep with a cousin? Is it okay to sleep with an animal? Is it okay to, uh, you know, kidnap? Is it okay to, you know, all these things, cross-dress. None of these things are restated in the, in the New Testament. So, um, Well, you, and, think- you know, I was thinking about that too, Caleb, because there's a place where Yeshua says, if someone causes a child to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a millstone around his neck cast in the sea. Is that a, a reiteration of a of a law in the Torah, or does it just presume? Does it just presume the spirit of of the Torah? Does it? Just, in other words, is there something in continuity, like places where it's not explicitly quoted? Excuse me. It seems like some people they just want it. They want to see "Thou shalt keep the Sabbath." in the new Testament. Otherwise it's not there, you know? And so I I think that uh, there's a mystery Bible theater 3000 coming up. Mystery. Have you seen that? Hugh Laurie mystery. No. Am I the only one? (laughs) Okay. never mind. We'll get, we'll we'll clip that for as, as a sound clip for next week. Okay. Okay. Um, So, okay. Uh, we're going to, what I want to do here is I actually want to look at two comments that came in, uh, on some of our videos. So the first one's from a lady named Nicole. Nicole says this. she says Torah observe. Now this is okay. The very first part of this, I read the whole comment, but the very first part of this is really, really what got me thinking here. And I want our audience and I want our chat room to think about this as well. Okay. This is what she says. She says, Torah observance is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are those who are Torah observant, I think what she's trying to say is, why do those who are Torah observant dislike Paul and the majority of the New Testament? So let's stop right there. That's the end of the comment. Let's deal backwards. With I this. love well, Paul. Yeah. I, I wrote her back and I said, you know, your, yeah. your uh, over characterization and generalization of the Torah observant movement, I think is grossly uh, out of line. Uh, there are people in the Torah observant movement. What? Uh, let's just use that as the broadest term possible for such a thing. There are there are people with pronomen theology who say that uh, we got to get rid of Paul or they don't like the New Testament. Uh, granted, there are those out there. I I don't think that that's a majority. In fact, I think it's a small fraction of people within the within the Torah movement. 
Um, I wrote back and I said, we love Paul. We affirm a 66 book canon. We believe that the New Testament, the Apostolic Scriptures are just as inspired as the Torah. And uh, so, you know, I think you're, you're misguided on that. But the part that really got me here was this. And I, I will admit, I really had to stop and think about this. Because I think that for those who have, been, like myself, who were raised in, uh, in the church and uh, raised with that kind of theology, with standard Christian theology, I would say, believe that the gospel is totally devoid and or separate from Torah observance. And so she says, Torah observance is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the question that I want to ask. Is that true? Now, certainly, I think everyone here, especially in the chat room, people who listen to this show a lot, know that both Rob and I are very, very solid on justification by faith alone. You're not justified by faith. Or, I'm sorry, you're not <laughs> by faith. Sorry. Uh, Freudian slip there. You're not justified by works, right? We are not justified by anything that we do. I can't gain God's favor so that he'll like me enough to save me. That's not how it works. In fact, Rob and I go uh, even further. We believe uh, in the doctrines of grace. We believe that God chooses And, and it never was that way. It, exactly. it, it never was that way. Absolutely. So, so for those who might be questioning before we start off on this little tangent, because here's the thing. I think it's important to ask this question. Because I think that there might be a little bit of misperception here, even in my own mind, even in my own mind. Here's the, here's the thing. Let's go to what the, what the Bible actually says. It, Paul himself in Galatians 3 says that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham when it was stated, in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So that's the gospel message, according to Paul. According, according to Paul, the gospel message is, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, granted, that's stated five times in, the, in, in Genesis, right? That's st stated five times to Abraham. However, And, and elsewhere in, in the Psalms, and in, in, it's reiterated. Absolutely. As, yeah. Right. But with that said, one of the times that he says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, what happens? There's, there's a covenant attached to it. The Abrahamic covenant is attached to to that promise. Yeah, that's it, it so attached that they're inseparable. It it would be if you're reading scripture carefully and attentively, you won't separate. You you'll understand that these are absolutely fused together. They're they're inseparable. So here's the thing: what is promised to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant? It's a land grant treaty. He's promised the land. In perpetuity, throughout generations, right? It's dynastic. And so the point is, is that the land is promised to Abraham. Now, when Israel gets to the land, what is, what is set forward? The Mosaic Law, and the Mosaic Law is in tandem. It's in tandem with the Abrahamic promise. And, the Abrahamic and it, it clarifies blessing from cursing, blessing from the curses. Exactly. If you I mean, do the, this, the, then you, the Torah then, helps the faithful to learn more about who God is, to learn right. about his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his forgiveness, <laughs> his kindness, his long suffering. So here's the thing that I would say about Nicole. I think that Nicole's, I think what she's trying to say, now, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I, I believe what she's trying to say is, the gospel is that God saves us apart from our own works. Now, I, now I agree with that. 
However, I think that the 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 gospel message that's a that, yeah that's a given in the Torah. It, when right Genesis twelve, God says, "Get up and go." Right it, there, there's no scenario where Abraham was not going to obey. He was given faith to persevere. Right, and Moses, right by faith, it says in Hebrews eleven, Moses kept the Passover. You know, delivered Egypt. It wasn't that God, you know, there were a lot of, you know how, how Yeshua says, yeah, there were many widows in the time of Elijah. There were many right. lepers in the time of Elisha and only Naaman the Syrian was, there were many slaves in the world, many slaved enslaved peoples in this mid second millennium BC, whenever that was, but God chose one because of a covenant and it wasn't based on works. So that absolutely the, the gift of the Torah at Sinai was given to a redeemed people who had not, it, it wasn't based on works, it's based on it's, him it, being true to his covenant promise. It's, it was based on God's choosing. You know, one of the big problems that people have is Isaac, because Abraham says, I want to give the covenant to Ishmael. Let me give the covenant to Ishmael. This is before Isaac is even born. And what does God say? No, absolutely not. There's going to be Before another he's child. Conceived even, right? There's going to be another child. He carries the covenant, not Ishmael, and his seed after him. And his seed. So after that him. means God. God. God looks way into the future. Okay. Uh, th and, and this is this. This all bring it comes back to you know I I appreciate covenant theology for for several things now I dislike covenant theology for several things as well namely the fact that covenant theology uh, tries to do away with the Torah right but covenant theolo theology admits that the way of salvation has always been God's grace and that the covenants are intertwined now it would be like if a tree could if a tree had a movable arm you give it a give it a saw and it starts cutting itself down. It, do, it right. doesn't make sense. You can, but you, but you can't take, I, I am fully convinced you can't take away any of the covenants. You take away the Abrahamic covenant. We have major problems. You take away the Mosaic covenant, major problems, Davidic covenant, major problems. No way at covenant. We're all going to hand to hell. Yeah, in the there's basket. another angle of this too. Is this, how did Yeshua teach the Torah? Well, he said, greatest commandment. Hero Israel, Lord of God, Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, etc., etc. Which is Torah, of course. And then love your neighbors yourself. And second, all the commandments are contingent upon these. I, I don't know any, there's no other way around it, except Yeshua is affirming the Torah and he's teaching us how to prioritize uh, our understanding of the Torah by it has to be. And that's what differentiates uh believers in Yeshua from other sects that don't prioritize that way. They're like, oh, no, you, you're not washing your hands right. Oh, no, you need to fast on these days. Oh, no, we're not eating with you because you haven't converted the way we want you to. Um, oh, you're, you're a tax collector? Oh, get out of here. They were prioritizing the wrong things, but sprinkling right. Torah law on top of their, uh, their behaviors. And Yeshua's like, nah. Well, let's no. let, let for for just one second. Let's do this. Let's let's reword the gospel, the, the, like the gospel message from "In your seat, all the nations of the earth will be blessed." Okay. 
Could we say that the gospel message is return, uh, repent and turn? We hear this a lot, right, in the apostolic scriptures. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent and turn. So, the, so here's the question. If you would agree, now maybe people wouldn't, but if you can agree that the gospel message at least includes repent and turn. Repent from what? Turn from what? If you're going to say sin, well, God shows us what sin is yeah. in the Mosaic Covenant. And so the point is, is that I would argue that the Mosaic Covenant, all the covenants from, from the, whether or not you believe in a garden covenant, you know, right, a Genesis 3 covenant, all the way through to uh, the new covenant, all of the covenants are wrapped together and you cannot separate them. That is the gospel message is that God is a covenant God and he's going to bring us back into covenant relationship with him after we have fallen. So yeah, it was just, I, I've been in, I've been in dialogue with a lot of Catholics lately on X and I was just thinking about what Gabriel says to Miriam and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. So we're saying it's that the throne of David. What's that? Well, hmm. David wrote many of the Psalms that praise the Torah. Uh, the house of Jacob reign over the house of Jacob. This is, this is Torah language. Right. An everlasting kingdom. This is covenant. This is covenant continuity. Presumed. Presumed covenant continuity. Um, the idea that we need to all of a sudden divorce, you know, and there's a new thing called the church that's created. Um, that is absolutely somehow independent of this goes against the very words, you know, uh, uh, that Gabriel told Mary. So, uh, with all of this said, and I think that, uh, I think that great conversation, and I think that we can piggyback this with the other, the other comment, Cicero three dash O WAP says this Cicero. Oh, I thought you were quoting Cicero, the ancient, no. This is this is the handle. Roman orator. Okay, go ahead. This is the hand. This is this is his YouTube handle. So he says this: If Sabbath isn't a salvation thing, and is only for sanctification, then why have a separate church for Torah followers and spirit-filled believers under grace? Isn't he taking us from glory to glory, each at his own pace? Letting your convictions divide the church is my only problem with the assembly today. Whether someone eats pork or does the Sabbath or not, we should all be of one body and one assembly on one spirit. Could only imagine the glorious things we would see in the body if that could happen. Now, uh, interestingly... I'm going to need you to translate that to me for me. Okay, uh, I will translate that for you. Uh, it, it shouldn't matter if you believe that you uh, that the Sabbath should be kept or that you should keep a kosher diet or that you should keep the Sabbath or keep the festivals. Oh, None these of that are should like matter. The, uh, in unity and uh, what is it? We, Except yeah, charity we should, we, and we, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have separate churches. Everybody should be part of one church. Um, because we're all we're all we're all filled with the same spirit, the spirit of God and uh, glorified by Christ. Now, I, I, I agree and I disagree. I, I agree with the idea that uh, we're all 
those who are truly spirit-filled are all one body. However, I wonder if Cicero here would uh, say the same thing about somebody who is uh, is uh, living in adultery or someone who is uh, an unrepentant murderer. Remember that the Sabbath is a is a uh, one of the Ten Commandments. So let's let's put it with what about somebody who is continuing continuing to dishonor their parents and is unrepentant for it? Would the church say that's fine? Let's just keep sell, like keep worshiping together because we're all spirit filled. No, there is a standard that the Bible puts forward, and I think what the reason that you have. Um, the reason that you have fellowships that are disassociated from each other, and particularly those in the like from from a Torah perspective, the reason that you have people who hold to a pronomen theology who have a hard time worshiping on Sunday with people is because not only are you uh, are you not celebrating the Sabbath, something that has been instituted since creation, which God commands and is part of the Ten Commandments, but the notion that you like every single church. <laughs> Every church that I've been to in the past, I don't know how long, 10, 15, 20, my whole life, anytime you have any kind of a potluck, guess what you have on the table? Something that God calls an abomination and is detestable in his eyes. How am I, like, that's just okay? You know, I think that six months ago I would have said, yeah, hey, look, we need to give grace. And I think that we do need to give grace. I think that there needs to be a level of grace. I'm not discounting that. And I, 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 but I'm starting to feel a shift in my, the pendulum is swinging again. And the reason why is because the, the more I look at the scriptures and what the scriptures say about things like a kosher diet and, and keeping the Sabbath, the more it becomes more egregious to me that someone is going to be okay doing something that it, that God calls detestable and an abomination in his eyes. If it's detestable I, I, and an I abomination to him, should here. it be to us too? Go ahead. The the meaning of grace, because I, I like how you brought that up, extending Horace, biblically, in my opinion, comes from a person who's abiding in the blessing. They have, because it's not on their own power, we, we, don't, we don't offer grace out of, out of the flesh. Because that's going to be manipulative. It's going to be seeking reciprocity. It's going to have some sort of ulterior motive. But if it's born of covenant position of blessing and strength, then that is an extension of grace is a, is a real thing. And the recipient of that grace then is someone who is believed to be growing in understanding and, and is weaker and in a position of, of growing and developing better understanding of who Messiah is, what it, what does it mean to be uh, saved by grace, all these things. It doesn't work the other way around. For a, for a pork-eating Christian to say, oh, you're not going to eat pork, you're just, you know, okay, I'll extend you that grace. That's not, that's not grace. Yeah. For, for the, for the, per, for the Christian who loves bacon and pork and they view their tolerance of Torah keepers, let's say, as extending an extension of Christian grace, that's not sound theology. It doesn't that it, <laughs> because okay. grace is extended from from being within the covenant blessing. Um, that I don't know if I said that very clearly. I I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. But I now I've gone. I've gone to the extreme in one direction. For those who listen to this show on a regular and they're saying, what in the world? 
come on, Caleb, let's pull back for a few seconds. Let's, let's look at the flip side of this. Now, this is the extreme. I have very good friends. I fellowship with people. I have people in my current fellowship that do not have the same convictions as me. I, I call them brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm not saying that they're, that th- these works save you or any such thing, okay? I think that there is a epidemic of ignorance within the church. They have fallen to their to the church uh, the the tradition of church history, and because of that, we do need to extend grace to those who have not been able to work out the biblical truth that we have been able to work out. Now, with that said, what do we do then? I mean, like I said, there are people at my current fellowship who do not. They're going to go and they're going to eat. You know, they're going to eat pork probably on the Sabbath at some restaurant. Now, I believe that the Lord is working. I believe that the Lord is is working on the church at large. I believe that God is working in the lives of his elect to bring them to the truth, just like he did me and my family. So I think yeah, that Just like we, he does all his flock. Like, exactly. <laughs> I think that we need to be very careful of being the Torah terrorist. With that said, what I am saying is this, I, you know, the more, a year and a half ago, I sat on this show and said, look, if you have the ability to go to a church and, and, and you have nowhere else to go and you go to a church and you're fellowshipping with those people, by all means do it. I would say the same thing today. Look, if you, are, if you can be comfortable, if you, not even comfortable, if you can go and you can make a, a impression on people at a church, and you can fellowship with people and, and that, you know, that's what you have for a community, by all means, I think you should do that. However, from that past year and a half personal experience at a Christian church, what I have realized, and one of the, you know, maybe I was ignorant to this, you are going to have troubles. The pastors are going to come and talk to you about why you aren't eating. You know, the email that we got last week about, you know, I see people living in sin in the church and, and the eldership doesn't seem to do anything. I tell people that I don't eat pork and all of a sudden I'm they're getting the steak ready. You know, they're putting logs around the steak to, to tie me to it. This is true. This is, I mean, this is the, this is the reality of keeping God's commands. There is a level of, uh, there is a level of, persecution from within the church. And I don't think it's genuine persecution in the sense that they're trying to, you know, I think that it's, I think it's genuine belief that is, that they're coming from, but it doesn't come from a place of, of sound theology and what the Bible says. It, it, it comes from th- 1500, 1800 yeah. years of tradition. Strong, That's it. strong into institutionalization. Exactly. To where the thought process is completely governed by sound bites that other people said. Yep. So they're and, not and, even and a, and a Christian religion own. that has been created, right? In other words, it's different than the than the the, re, the religion or the faith that we see in the Bible. And mm-hmm. that is the unfortunate part is that there has been an institution that's been created and People are happy to be a part of that institution without saying, hey, you know, and you know what? I was thinking about this with my children the other day. Man, I really wish my kids had more uh, kids their age that believed what they believe. Are my kids going to be able to withstand the, the peer pressure, you, you know, of, of 
having no one, of being alone. I certainly know what that's like. I've, I've walked a very lonely walk of faith uh, in, our, in our city, there, you know, and, and uh, my family has, has had to be, a, a, you know, a kind of lone rangers. Now, there are others around us. I'm not going to say that there aren't people around us. There are people around us, but we know what that's like, so it's hard. But I think that this is what our Lord talks about when he says that, that it's, it's a narrow path. Yeah, yeah. And this, to me, that what you're getting at right now is the heart, for me, of Hanukkah. Right. It's the time where it is, I'm not affirming the Maccabean dynasty or anything like that. Their irrigation to kingship and expansion of, of the territory, forced circumcisions, new coinage. I'm not, I'm not affirming all that stuff. But I am affirming the, the initial reclaiming of the right. temple. That's that's what Yeshua says is his father's house. And and I I I believe that that is worthy of remembrance. Yeah. And um what is the picture? It's the picture where and if you take my Hanukkah course, no, that it started out not as Gentiles, uh, Jews against Gentiles. It was Hellenized Jews. The priesthood had been purchased and corrupted. And they were they were wanting to build a gymnasium in Jerusalem. They were wanting to build all these Greek things, and they were going slack on on the temple services and all these things. It was a it was a paganization that was happening from the inside. And so the initial battle was what we would think of more like civil war. Like the the person that that the initial instigator. Uh, or the uh, the the original uh, Hasmonean actor, he they, they had set up an altar in Modin and they were offering pagan sacrifice, so he killed him. It's a Jew killing another Jew, right? That that's that's harsh, right? And I'm not saying I'm not advocating that that's what that kind of violence is required today. I'm saying the memory of that's what's at stake here. It's that what is what is that what does it mean that the Torah is pure, and what is our obligation in this world that God made, and we learn all that from the Torah. We learn that He made the world. We learn that we're made in His image. We learn that that the greatest commandment is to love Him with everything we have, and to understand His grace by what what Yeshua has done for us. And that we extend that love that we have received, that forgiveness we've received to others as well. And that's being a light in the world, right? Being a light in the world. And that is that is the core guts for me of what the Hanukkah remembrance is. Not that we can't remember that anytime during the year, but that's what I believe the original remembrance of Hanukkah was all about. Let's start again. Do you ever feel like you get prayed out? And what, I'll give you an example of what I mean by right. this. We were going to this Presbyterian church. Okay, there was uh, our kids <laughs> would be in the. We our kids would be in the like my my youngest two would be in the in the nursery. Okay, and the uh, and the. <laughs> 
there was this lady, a lovely lady. She's like my age, right? Like she's not this older lady, lady my age. She's got, I think something ridiculous, like eight kids or nine kids or something crazy. Okay. Her and her husband are like a staple in this church, right? He's, he's part of like, I think he was one of the deacons or something like that. Okay. Now she starts talking to me and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell her like, Hey, you should be uh, keeping a kosher diet or anything, but clearly she's asking questions of where did you come from? What's the, uh, what's the, the, you know, what's the story basically. Right now. So I'm talking, who are and, you? yeah, who are you and, and what's going on? So I, I'm, I'm just upfront about who we are and where we came from and, and, you know, kind of what we believe. I can tell every week, every week that we chat, it's a little bit more, and every week she gets a little bit more uncomfortable. Now, we left that church somewhat abruptly. Well, now, granted, I, I talked to leadership before we left. I told them, hey, you know, uh, we're going somewhere else. Um, you know, we're, we're going to start a home group in our in our home again and, and, and whatnot. And with their blessing, right, the pastor of the church said, great, you know, we'll be praying for you. Thanks for letting me know, all these kind of things. Okay. Every time I think about that church, I wonder if that lady and her husband were praying to the Lord that we would leave. <laughs> and I wonder if the Lord granted that prayer. I wonder if they prayed us out. Because we've prayed people out, right? We've In the congregation that I pastored for five years, there were people who'd come and we'd pray, Lord, please take these people out. Don't Please don't make us have to confront these people or whatever. Just, just take them away. And sure enough, they never came back. And I wonder if one day that lady and her husband sat down and said, Lord, these people are wacky. Get them the heck out of here. And all of a sudden, the next week, we were gone. And now they're praising the Lord that they prayed us out. All right. That was, that was a rabbit trail. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pull an audible here. I'm going to pull an audible. You could, you could do a stand-up routine, Caleb. I think I know, you should. Well, thank you. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on. Pulling an audible. Clayton says, next season of shows, talk about the state of the dead or what happens when you die. Nope, we'll do that right now. Here's the reason that we never talk <laughs> about that. We get this question often. I would say once a month, people will write, and people will write not just a little bit, people will write like half a book. We, we'll get chapters people write in emails to us about this, okay? And there is a reason that we never talk about it. And the reason why is because the scriptures are just not clear enough. They're just not clear enough. Uh, you know, is there a, a state of sleep? Who knows? Samuel, uh, you know, when the witch of Endor uh, raises him, uh, it seems like he's been asleep. Was that a demon? Was it actually Samuel? Who knows? It seems like uh, in Yeshua's parable, there are people, uh, you know, burning, wanting just a, uh, a, a drop of water on their tongue in some state of, of punishment up until the judgment. Um, it seems like Yeshua says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, the, the answer is we don't know. And, uh, there's not an answer that you're going to get from the scriptures. That's going to be clear cut. This is why it's such a big debate. And so we don't talk about it. There are some things that, that people write us about a lot. This is probably the main one uh, that we just aren't going to talk about because there's no good answer from Scripture. Now, I could tell you what I think. I could tell you what I believe, um, but it doesn't come from an informed position of multiple Scriptures saying this, 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 and this. It's 
uh, maybe philosophy. I philosophize that this scripture says this, therefore X, Y, Z. But ultimately, this is a uh, this is a issue that people are very apt to talk about and want to know more about. But the scripture is just silent on it. We had a we had another question. It's kind of along the same vein. We've talked about this many times. Whether or not uh, babies of believers are all saved. Um, I personally believe that the only way that you can believe that babies are saved, all babies are saved, and or the babies of believers are saved, I suppose if you believe that just the babies of believers are saved, uh, you know, if they die in the womb or if they die prematurely or they die young, are they saved? Uh, People might argue that uh, the head of household covers his family up to a certain point, right? And uh, this is this this is big in covenant theology, by the way. Head of household, the household believes what the what the leader of the household believes. I suppose you could believe that, um, but I think that if you want to believe that all babies are saved up until a certain point, the only way you can do that is by the doctrines of grace, and, which I believe in. God chooses those whom He chooses, and if He wants to choose all children before a certain age, He's able to do that. If you believe in an Arminian perspective, free will perspective, then all babies have to have to be damned until uh, you know, unless you believe in a, a age of accountability, which is not found anywhere in the Scriptures. I hope that helps. Okay, should we move on? Um, Caleb and Rob have done a lot of videos on the Trinity. Yes, we've we've talked ad nauseum with, uh, about, uh, the, uh, Trinity. Uh, he says, hang on, Caleb has even debated on the subject with that one guy from kingdom in context. Yes. Sean Griffin. Um, you know, you talk to anybody who follows Sean, they're going to say, I totally lost that conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't slated as a debate, by the way, it was supposed to be a conversation about, about God and the nature of God. And we were just supposed to have a conversation. Um, so I went into that not thinking it was the uh, debate and I probably should have been prepared for a debate. Not the point. Um, yeah, I've had so many people from, uh, that follow Sean say to me, oh yeah, you just totally got crushed by Sean. Here's the thing. I will admit that, uh, I made some missteps in there, but the fact that Sean had to edit that video, um, and he had to do so without telling me and, uh, he had to do so to try to tip the scales in his favor shows that he was on his back leg. If he really would have won that debate, then he could have uh, just let the video stand as it was. And the interesting thing is that he put a counter up for every time I appeal to human uh, <laughs> human uh, theology instead of the Bible. But every time he used the term, uh, what was it? Uh, anyway, he uses a term all the time, which he says is biblical, which is not. Anyway, okay, enough of that. This We're on it. We're I'm off in left field here. Let's get back to... Uh, Let's get back to some things at hand. What do you want to go to, Rob? You want to go to the... Okay, we'll go to this. Zach says, uh, in three of the Gospels, it's mentioned that during the crucifixion, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Matthew 27, 51, Mark 15, 38, and Luke 30, uh, 23, rather, 45. I've always heard that this curtain was the veil sectioning off the most holy place and further, that the veil tearing was representative of the barrier between the presence of God and man being removed once Jesus made his sacrifice. In other words, we now have full access to God through the new covenant. Okay, let's pause real quick right here. I think that before we go to the veil, okay, 
what we should do is we should talk about the fact that people have always had full access to God. Right? Abraham had, had I would argue that Abraham had more access to God than, than I do. He talks to him face to we face. Just, he sits we down and feeds about him. That on the one year cycle where Rebecca, she doesn't know what's going on with her pregnancy. And the Lord tells her, two nations are in your womb. Like, right. Right? And the, Never happened the, to me. The elder shall serve the younger and all this kind of stuff. Right. And it's like, wow, Rebecca, like, what's going on? How does how is she able to hear from God like directly? Yeah. It's I, I yeah, mean, that's I a good it's a it's a it's a good point. So go keep going then. So Well, we we believe we believe that that the new covenant is not time bound. As do most people who believe in covenant theology. We're under grace, and so were the people before Christ died. And therefore, we all have access to Christ. I have the same access to Christ that Abraham had, that David had, that Moses had. We all have the same access to Christ, uh, to God through Christ, right? The mediary is who? It's it's Christ. And if you're part of the new covenant, then you've always been part of that, and, and you have the same access that, that anyone has. So I don't believe that access to God has changed. And if that's the case, then the standard tr like interpretation of the veil being torn, that now all of a sudden we have access to God through Christ when before we didn't, something's amiss here. We have to reinterpret. That's what I would say. Let's go back to the comments. He says, since you guys believe that the temple would still be an enduring part of God's covenant with believers, what do you think is the significance of the curtain tearing in two? Great question. In fact, it's such a good question that my father wrote a 20-page paper, which can be found on TorahResource.com. Uh, nice. If you just put the word veil into uh, the search on Torah Resource, V-E-I-L, uh, it will be the first thing that comes, that pops up. It's a 20-page article, download it in PDF. Um, and basically what he does is he starts with Mishkan, the, uh, the Tent of Meeting. He goes through all, uh, that and then into the temples, looks at the various writings. He uh, looks a lot at Josephus and what is uh, said ab about the uh, the curtains in the in the temple. What his conclusion is, uh, and I think that he makes a very good point. Uh, something that is was not found in the Torah, but that the people in the first century did was they put giant curtains over the doors of the temple. And uh, they would shut these curtains, so people and that could was not... and that was just to the holy place, not to the holy of holies. Exactly, and uh, there is uh, significant evidence that when uh, there was an earthquake that happened, I believe that this earthquake happened when Christ died, right? As the scriptures say, when the earthquake happened, the lintel over these two doors cracked, and the curtains stayed open and the doors stayed open. They couldn't shut the doors anymore because of this lintel being cracked. And uh, my father has hypothesized that, and I think that he brings uh, some good witnesses from the first century that uh, would speak to this. He believes that this is the curtain that is being uh, being ripped. The, the curtain that's over the actual two doors that went into the holy place. And... Ultimately, I think that uh, people would not be able to that's, see the curtain. Right. That's why it's called the curtain of the temple. Right. It's, it's because Josephus uses the same word for the curtain that you're talking about, but also at the veil that is between the holy place and the holy of holies. But he doesn't. But he doesn't call that one 
that the one into the Holy Holies, the curtain of the temple. Entry right. of the temple, according to Josephus, this word naos in Greek, is going through the big one that Caleb's talking about, that that doubled with the doors. So it was the same size as the doors. And I take, now I haven't looked at that article for a long, long, long time. So that's cool that you put it up. My, my view on that is that this is part of Herod's expansion. Right. This is not part of, this isn't the temple that the Maccabees reclaimed, for example. This is part of, and we, Josephus and maybe even Philo, but I, for sure, Josephus says that this huge veil, this big curtain that, that uh, went over the huge doors was a Babylon of Babylonian weave and it had the zodiac yeah. on it. Yes. It had a huge zodiac. Yeah. Uh, that's Josephus writing. Right. And that you would have to go through that to go enter into the holy place. That is to see the menorah and the table of showbread and all that stuff. You would go through this curtain that had this giant zodiac. And then he even goes on to say that the, the seven uh, lamps on the menorah are the seven planets and the 12 loaves of bread are the 12 zodiac. It's this highly zodiac uh, which I think is pagan, right? I mean, it's it's from yeah. a pagan influence. Um, that this symbolizes the initiation of the destruction of the temple that Yeshua had already prophesied about. Right. Yeah. That that's that's my take on it. Do we have a study or an article on the zodiacs? Nope, we don't. But uh, you can find the article on the veil on TorahResource.com. I, th- I actually think that that is, uh, I-, I think it's a good article. Uh, it's very interesting. And here's the thing. Once again, um, maybe, this is, maybe this is right. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe, who knows? Okay. Now, in the actual temple, it, it's believed that there was actually two, two curtains. And that for the priest to get to the Holy of Holies, he actually went down a hallway yeah, made weave. by the two yeah, curtains. Weave, yeah. Like, yeah. And so you would actually have to have two curtains ripped to be able to, to enter into the Holy of Holies if that was the case. Um, so beyond that, if we go back to the initial th- theological uh, idea that now we have access to God in some way that we didn't have access before, no matter what, I think that that is a flawed theology. So no matter what, the ripping of the veil, no matter what veil it was, I don't think it means theologically that now we have access to, to God in a way that we didn't before. I think that that is super flawed. So we, ha- in my opinion, there has to be another, another explanation for that. There has to be another theological point that is made there. And it's not the idea that all of a sudden the, uh, we, we have some special uh, access to God that we didn't have before. Okay. There is I think a... I think it's just clarifying like it does in Romans 5. It's it's giving us the mechanics of the new covenant. Like how was justification by faith accomplished in fact? Well, it had to do with the incarnation right, of right. the son of God. It had to do with his death, his shed blood, which in Hebrews is likened to the tearing of his uh, of a curtain. Um, right. And, and, and it's talking about his high priesthood and everything. But this is, I don't think that we're to take that and say, oh, that's, that this, that we conflate all this together. I think what was being talked about in Hebrews is talking about a lot of wonderful things together. Yeshua's high priesthood is talking about um, having our conscience 
cleaned. That's new covenant language being forgiven, right? What, uh, and how it was accomplished was not by our works, but by but what Yeshua did. And what Yeshua did, he gave his body, he gave his life uh, to yeah. be put to death. And um, well, he actually gave, no one actually took it. He actually, if you look right at those passages where the temple, it says, right. I think in Luke, into your hands, I give my spirit, right? So right. It's, he he li- he died for his people. And that that's the imagery of we participate in his resurrection life, that means we have to participate. We participate with his death uh, first, right? You can't, you, we can't be a beneficiary of Yeshua's resurrection unless we go to the cross with him, right? Like Paul says in Galatians 2, crucified with Christ. So there's a lot, I know there's a lot talking about here, but but as pertaining, my opinion, pertaining to the, the synoptics, discussion of of the temple of the or the curtain of the temple being torn that that is probably historically it makes sense that that would be a pagan influenced curtain that was influenced and new man-made part of herod's design and it man-made tradition. was uh what was the other thing oh that it was just initiated what yeshua said like not one stone was going to be left on another right Okay, I'm going to pull what might seem like another audible. We've had this comment on our uh, show notes list, our personal show notes list, for a good six months. So we're going to finally get it to it, because I think we can do it in under seven minutes. Here you go. Okay. Gabriella writes in and she says, I understand that anyone can learn about the Bible from reading extensively, watching videos, and listening to podcasts, but much of what I have learned from the Torah-observant women has also been refuted or rebutted by you guys. Like, so much, it's crazy. Should I avoid hearing all these voices altogether? It saddens me if I should not hear them anymore because many of them are stay-at-home moms and have wisdom to share. But if it is blocking my discernment, I want to be clear to avoid it. Okay, first of all, first of all, I think that uh, it needs to be stated, unless you give names, uh, it's it's hard to know who you're talking about. I personally, personally, now this is where we're going to lose half of our audience, and I suppose that's okay. Um, I personally have never listened to any Torah observant women that uh, that I am going to recommend or that I would, that I think are spot on. So I, I don't mean, even know I, that I've heard many. So I, I, I know there's I'm, only a, I'm at a loss there's, to really there's only a couple of them that I can think of off the top of my head, and they're kind of on a circuit with other people. And I would say I would just say avoid them like the plague. Now she brings up stay at home moms, and the thing, look, the fact of the matter is, is that there are plenty of of Bible believing women out there that are fantastic. They they love the Lord. They have a lot of wisdom. Women, I'm not a person who's going to say that, that that women are never allowed to teach. I don't believe women are allowed to be pastors. I don't believe that women are allowed to be the leaders of congregations. Um, I am skeptical of women who are uh, are like going on circuits and preaching, uh, even at conferences. It depends what the conference is on. But 
certainly women can teach, right? Women can teach their children. They are over their household. They are, uh, women teach each other. There's, I mean, there are great, uh, seminary professors that are women who have some great things to say. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really like to do is go to the archeological section. There are women who have some great in, insight into, um, into archeology. span So clearly I'm not trying to down all women. However, I, I, I'm not sure what it is, who it is you're listening to, but the few women that I can, and it seems like this uh, comment comes from, um, comes from a place of like, I'm listening to YouTube, like women who are YouTubers or something like that. I would say if you have a, you know, my wife gets a, a lot of information from fellow homeschool moms. We homeschool our children. Um, and my wife does the bulk of the homeschooling cause she is much smarter than I am. Um, so, you know, there are, uh, homeschool groups and, and, uh, and others who are, you know, others subjects that my wife is gleaning a ton from. And I think that that's great. I, I, I have no problem with that. When you're talking about like looking at the, um, the conference circuits and there are these women who continually, uh, are the teachers. I've watched some of those people teach and I'm not sure why anyone would listen to them anyway. They're, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand. Um, it, yeah, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, the, because it's not sound doctrine, but in fairness, in fairness, I would say that those are Hebrew roots. You know, the Hebrew roots is really oddly, very oddly. The Hebrew roots movement is very egalitarian. And so they have no problem with women uh, being pastors and teaching. For, for the most part, which is very odd to me. Um, with that said, Maybe I disagree. Because it's so loosely defined. Possibly. Like there's no really, there's no strong oversight. I personally mm. uh, disagree with a lot of the standard Hebrew roots theologies. And so when I see women talking about Hebrew word pictures, or I see women teaching about, you know, the Aleph Tav or the yeah. prophetic word that they got last night, it just, I'm not, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. I'm j I just think that right. you're like, you're out to lunch anyway. So, um, but for the person, for Gabriella, who, who wrote this, uh, you know, you would need to give, uh, specific instances, uh, that would be able to be looked at, uh, ultimately, I can't think of a, a of a woman teacher who is teaching the Torah that I listen that I would listen to. That's all I can say. Um, and, and if I I would just say too that praise God that you're feeling like you're hearing stuff and you're going ah eh, that's good that you're not just jumping in and 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 just drinking the Kool Aid and and but you're. I think that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When when you hear something, you're like, you know, that doesn't just that doesn't sound right. Um, that doesn't mean that's a relational deal breaker. I mean, that's for you to figure out, you know. And you're every we're all in a very unique situation. We all have unique networks of of relationships, and and God has planted us each where where He's planted us. And so uh, you're to be a light. You're to pray for them and bless them. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can even build trusting relationship with them. That doesn't mean that you're going to, that you are obligated to accept everything they're, they're teaching. And if it seems to me, if, if there's, you know, you know, sisters in the Lord that are getting together reading, um, that they, if 
if they're really interested in learning, they would be open to hearing your perspective on, on things too. Um, so anyway, just, just Th- Thomas, Th- Thomas says in the chat, he says, my wife leads and teaches our 10 children. That's a big group of disciples. No nice. doubt. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. I, I'm fairly confident that next week starts season 11. So we're going to, we're going to uh, roll with it that way. We're going to say that next week is our season 11 opener. Um, and we need your suggestions on what to talk about for season 11. So to, uh, see That's the email address. C H E G G at resource.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Make sure to send those in this week so that we can talk about them next week. We look forward to next week when we can uh, open Season 11, and we hope that we'll have a full and beneficial Season 11. We also hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Why?